0: The 2020 election just kind of uh, validated that this uh, mystery and um, confusion and anger and all these things that came out for people that that claim the votes weren't accurate, that can all end easily with true vote. There should be no ambiguity into who won and who who lost. That needs to be as clear as as a Bitcoin transaction where it's just, it is what it is. Greetings
1: and salutations, my fellow plebs. My name is Walker, and this is The Bitcoin Podcast. The Bitcoin block height is 819450, and the value of one Bitcoin is still one Bitcoin. Today's episode is Bitcoin Talk, where I talk with my guest about Bitcoin and many other things as well. Today, that guest is Brett Morrison. Brett is a computer scientist and tech entrepreneur who recently launched TrueVote.org. TrueVote is an open-source solution for tamper-proof ballot data, built on Bitcoin, Noster, and open timestamps. Brett and I talked through a ton of questions about TrueVote in terms of how it works, but we also focused the conversation on why a solution like this is needed in the first place. You can get all of Brett's links and TrueVote info in the show notes. As always, you can watch the video version of this episode on Rumble, YouTube, or X by searching at Walker America. Or listen on Fountain.fm or wherever you get your podcasts by searching for The Bitcoin Podcast. If you listen to The Bitcoin Podcast on Fountain, consider giving this show a boost or creating a clip of something you found interesting. If you haven't checked out Fountain yet, I highly recommend it. You can send Bitcoin to your favorite podcasters and earn Bitcoin just for listening to this show. Without further ado, let's get into this Bitcoin talk with Brett Morrison. Thank you for, uh, for coming on here and congrats on the the launch because I've been seeing just like a lot more buzz about it, first of all, and your timing, I think, could not have been better with the election well, many elections coming up. There are always elections, right? But specifically in the U.S., I think this next year, we're going to see a lot of focus on election integrity. One would hope that would always be a focus. But I think after the uh, shenanigans last time around, people are definitely going to be a little bit more on high alert. So we'll see. Yeah. But um, I want to keep this uh, pretty... Pretty free, Roman, and and easy. I've got some questions for you, just to kind of uh, things I think people, you know, definitely want to know. I got some submitted on No and on Twitter, but anything you want to talk about as well? This is this is an open forum. I'll just give us a little intro, and then we'll uh, we'll dive right in. If that sounds good,
0: yeah, sounds good. Uh, it'll be it'll be a conversation, right? That's how that's the exactly. format, pretty much. Okay, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sounds we'll, good.
1: We'll, we'll keep it casual and uh, and have a good time with it.
0: All right. All right. So
1: with that said, greetings and salutations, my fellow plebs. My name is Walker and this is the Bitcoin podcast. Today, I am doing a Bitcoin talk episode and I am joined by Brett Morrison. Brett is a computer scientist, tech entrepreneur, and he recently launched TrueVote.org. It's an open source solution for tamper-proof ballot data built on Bitcoin, utilizing open timestamps and also using Noster. So you published this on November twentieth Brett, and I'm glad to get you or you made it go live on the twentieth. Glad to have you on the show welcome and uh thanks for coming
0: thanks so much for having me yeah I was happy to uh hit the publish button on that um It's a working demo, so it's uh that's the that's the app in action, the platform in action and uh was happy to show it to the world it uh I'd written the white paper two years prior, so it was good to really Build out all the promises in the white paper. Uh, Noster wasn't around at the time that the white paper was written, but I had always uh, thought about how I'm going to do authentication, and I used uh, LastPass as a model as the kind of right way to do it. And then when Noster came along, I thought, okay, I can use OAuth, I can use traditional email password, or Noster. So I chose Noster um, as our primary form of authentication.
1: I, I love it. I remember, I think you and I met in Jackson Hole and yeah. got to talking and sharing stories. And I, I think that was around the time you were, you joined NOSTER and you started messing around with it and uh, light bulbs clearly started going off for you because I, I think it's it's this beautiful thing that you're able to take this real world process and very currently very manual and labor intensive process, both voting itself and the counting of said votes and utilize the best and newest tech that's out there to be able to verify and authenticate in a very secure, but also very open way. And I wanna dig into TrueVote, but I'd love to just start first, just for people who you know may not be familiar with you, with your past work. Let's just start with, with who are you, Brett, and how did you get here today? <laughs>
0: Uh, I'm a, uh, computer scientist, grew up in the East coast. I went to school at university of Arizona. Uh, and I like to say at the time I was a computer science student there, it was a top 10 program in the nation. Uh, computer science wasn't as uh, sexy as it is today back then. Uh, but it's become, um, quite the way to go for careers. And, uh, I strongly encourage, uh, young, young ones out there that are considering, um, that are going to college and have an interest in programming, that the computer science degree is definitely something that will uh, you have uh, you know you have value uh, your whole life to offer somebody. And and as someone who's interviewed hundreds of engineers over my career, I definitely can spot the difference between self taught and computer science taught. Um, and there, there's pros and cons to both, uh, not not dissing either, um, but there's definitely a difference to both. Um, so yeah, I had a computer science degree, and I've always just had a passion for programming. And I've had various tech jobs throughout my life and tech entrepreneur uh, ventures. I had an e-commerce company that was super successful in Los Angeles. We had 250 employees. I wrote all the e-commerce software for a lot of apparel brands like John Vervedos, True Religion, Lululemon, all the back end and the front end and the warehouse shipping, photography, returns, customer service, all that fell under our e-commerce platform. Uh, prior to the invention of Shopify or Magento or Squarespace, those things didn't exist back in the early 2000s. So, uh, Von Dutch was our first client and they had this meteoric rise of, uh, adoption with, uh, you know, celeb culture. You didn't call it influencers back then, but you know, people like Ashton Kutcher and, uh, Paris Hilton and Britney Spears were wearing the Von Dutch hat and all of a sudden, okay, Brett, I hope your e-commerce system works because we're getting a lot of orders. And, uh, and you know, that was the beginning of, uh, of a great business. Um, I've So I've had some really, uh, really uh, interesting and successful entrepreneur efforts in my life. And uh, I did take a break in the mid-2010s, and I joined SpaceX as a director of engineering there. Um, I really saw Elon's mission to make us a multi-planetary species and get to Mars as something I was super passionate about too. So, uh, so I worked there as a director of engineering and helped, uh, the software that helps design all the rockets and, and the manufacturing process. So that was, that was an interesting experience to be there, but really my heart is being an entrepreneur. So, um, and I, and I, and I knew voting was something that we've all voted. We all can relate to voting. We all are used to doing everything on our phones. And I was online, I think it was probably 2012, 2013. I was online at a polling station, just frustrated that I was standing here online. I had a lot of work to do. I had, you know, two kids at home and I was, I was a busy guy and I'm like, what am I doing online here? This is a waste of time. And so that's where the seed was first planted. Um, And then, you know, I figured in, you know, a few years later, I decided, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to make a company out of this. And so I started it and then I thought, Well, how can I, what's my strategy to build this? And you look at all voting systems today, they're all kind of this nebulous black box uh, mystery. You don't really know what's behind anything and that's not acceptable. And as a Bitcoiner since 2013, I was early, uh, I saw Bitcoin early. So my Bitcoin origin story is uh, real quick. Uh, I read this article from Wired Magazine in the fall of 2011 called The Rise and Fall of Bitcoin, which was basically declaring Bitcoin dead. And I read it thinking, wow, that's so sad. Bitcoin's dead. But then I went online and I saw, wait, Bitcoin's not dead. There was no fall of Bitcoin. There was an active, vibrant community. So uh, I was very really interested and I did recognize it as freedom tech. I never thought of it as, oh, this is an inv- investment number go up technology. I never, ever thought of it that way. And I still don't today. One Bitcoin is one Bitcoin. Um, um, I've I've stayed true to that. and And so... Yeah, I've been interested in Bitcoin for a long time. Uh, you know, I was around the early days when it was Roger Ver and uh, you know Eric Voorhees and some of the original guys. I was uh, actively attending meetups and Andreas Antonopoulos, all that kind of stuff. So um, I've been happy to be part of the Bitcoin community, and it's been great to watch it grow, especially since 2017, um, where the first real bull run um, happened, and all the people that have come into Bitcoin since then—it's been great, and I. And you'll find me at Bitcoin conferences. Usually uh, my wife and I love going and uh, we just love being part of the community. But then back to TrueVote, um, it's not acceptable that we have these systems that nobody understands. So uh, the only way, in my opinion, is to build one that's open source. And then, okay, it's open source. How do you prove the data isn't altered? So because anyone can backdoor into a database, people don't really think of these things. They think, okay, if I put not, if I post a tweet, that's my tweet, but they don't realize someone at Twitter can edit that tweet and change it. And you will have no way of knowing who, when, or why you can complain and you hope they listen, but you really don't know. Nostra is a little different that way because you're signing with your private key and that that can't be altered. So that's something I really admire about Noster. Um, um, but anyway, so, so, so ballot data needs to be, uh, as thought of as equally as important as like a Noster, uh, note, um, where you are submitting something, it's from you and it needs to be immutable and you need to know that it can't be tampered with. So, uh, I'm using Open Timestamps, which was written by a core developer named Peter Todd, I think in 2014, 2015. And the, the really elegant uh, thing about Open Timestamps is that you do not have to post a transaction to the Bitcoin blockchain to uh, use it. It just runs kind of alongside. It's anchored to the Bitcoin blockchain. And you can take any data and hash it and then use Open Timestamps, their calendar service. And it 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 marks it as this was the hash compared to the Bitcoin blockchain at this block height. So um, your ballot data is hashed and you can see if if it was altered, the hash wouldn't work anymore. And I make that very transparent on the ballot. So we're all used to, all us Bitcoiners are used to using uh, uh, blockchain explorers. With TrueVote, you have a ballot explorer where you can see everyone's ballots, you can see the ballot ID, you can see the time it was submitted, you can see the hash, you can see the ballot uh, choices. What you can't see is the user ID, um, just like Bitcoin. There is no user ID for a Bitcoin transaction. Same with uh, the, block, the ballot explorer. There's no voter ID. It's just that that is uh, decoupled from your ballot. So you as a voter uh, know that it's your ballot, but uh, the rest of the world does not see that connection. Um, so yeah, um, to wrap up your question about who am I, I'm someone who's super passionate about uh tech and open source technologies and programming and I really love doing it. Like it's something I, I liken it to a writer who loves to write. I love to write code. Um that's my passion. That's what I do. And uh um I've been working on this TrueVote platform for a while and we're we'll be releasing it in 2024. Um and I was happy to just show uh beyond marketing materials what TrueVote is, beyond the white paper. And that's why I published that demo uh uh, a week and a half ago. So, um, yeah, and it's gotten some great uh, feedback so far and a lot of optimism and some skepticism. And there's always skepticism with new tech and uh, especially, you know, people who don't trust. Yeah, the, the community we're in is very uh, suspicious of everything. Um, and that's, that's an why, understatement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's fine. They, they should be. Um, so, you know, I, I'm. Go, it's going to be a process. This is going to take years of refinement, just like the Lightning Network, uh, you know, has taken years to get it right. You know, look at look at the Lightning protocol. It's it's evolved. Look at the Bitcoin uh, protocol. It didn't work the first. Uh, it didn't work perfectly the first. Uh, well, it did, but it's been it's been iterated on since then. It's been improved. But same thing with uh We we will release it, and uh, it will continue to improve as the years go by.
1: Well, you know, uh, this is the beauty of open source too, because you're putting this out in the open. You're freely saying, look, you want to, you want to come, you know, submit a pull request for this. Like, go ahead. Like, please come in here, hack on this, see what you can do, see if you can make it better. Like you're welcoming ideas. And I think that, uh, for a process like voting, that ethos of open source is actually just the, it's the perfect marriage. And it's like the only one that actually makes sense. Because I, and I think maybe a, a good place to kind of kick off from uh, what what you just said. Great, great intro by the way. I I love asking that question because it tends to you never know what you're going to get from it, and uh, I think it's always helpful to know where somebody's coming from to understand what their motivations are. So I appreciate that answer. You've had quite a career, and it's pretty incredible that this is what you're focusing on now. But what I'd like to talk about to start us off is just I want to go through the how of true vote in terms of how it works and also you know maybe pick it apart a little bit we can talk about some of the criticisms mm-hmm. but i think a good place to jump off is the why why is this so important right now we talked about this a little bit earlier and you touched on it as well this black box of voter data not to mention just the the incredibly manual and tedious process of needing to take a day and go down to wherever you're supposed to vote locally and cast your paper ballot and stick that in a box and then wait until maybe that night, maybe the next day, maybe after a recount for you to actually know how things went and to have absolutely no idea where your vote, your specific vote went. Did it get counted? Because I think that that's a huge thing that's having people lose faith in democratic elections in general is I don't think my vote matters because I don't actually see where my vote goes. So I'm just not going to vote instead. It's because of the uh, obscure nature of the system, it breeds a lot of apathy. And that's an unfortunate thing. So maybe we can talk through a little bit, just Mm -hmm. what do you see as the biggest problems in need of fixing? Why did you say, you know what, true vote needs to happen? What made you think this system is so broken?
0: Yeah, exactly. No, you touched on it. Um, it was my moment waiting online. So the, the convenience part of it, where uh, whether you're in person or a mail-in ballot, it is tedious to wait online, take a day, uh, at, or, or for mail-in ballots, use a pen and paper with, which I don't know about you, but I don't I don't ever use a pen anymore, uh, and you know, f- fill it in, put it in an envelope, and then drop that envelope either in a ballot box or in the mail and hope it gets counted. So, so there's two problems. One is the convenience. We do everything else on our phone. And that's, that's a good thing. I mean, we have really become much more productive because of that. We don't have to wait online for things that uh, we shouldn't have to anymore. And that's, that's great. We love using our phones. We love automation. We love freeing up our time. And as you know, time is our most scarce resource, right? We have, from the moment we're born, we're, we're dying, right? Our life is getting shorter. Uh, so we're, we're one day closer to death I think was a song, a Pink Floyd song. I don't know if they're originally, but so I value my time and my time on this earth and I want to do good things with it. So, uh, I don't like wasting my time and I don't think anybody does. Uh, and taking a day to vote is absurd and, uh, we should be doing it on our phone for automation. So there's two, so that's one problem is the, uh, convenience. The second is exactly what you said. What happened to your ballot after you submit it? You really, really, truly have no idea in today's current voting system what happened. You think they counted it. You hope they do. You hear a story on the news, oh, they lost 30,000 ballots. Was my ballot in there? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. You have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. That to me is laughably um, absurd. And if, it, if that applied to other segments of our uh, life, then we wouldn't accept it. So why do we accept it with voting? And because of some of the political gaslighting that's gone on, especially with the last 2020 election. Um, by the way, I, I started TrueVote before the 2020 election. The 2020 election just uh, kind of uh, validated that Uh, this uh, mystery and um, confusion and anger and all these things that came out for people that that claim the votes weren't accurate, that can all end easily with true vote. There should be no ambiguity into who won and who, who lost that needs to be as clear as, as a Bitcoin transaction where it's just, it is what it is. And um, I want to make voting boring. I want you to get a notification on your phone saying it's time to vote. Good morning. Good morning, Brett. It's time to vote. You tap on it. Okay. Submit my ballot done. And I know my vote was counted. Why don't we have that today? We don't have it today because no one's built it. No one's built it because I don't know. They just haven't tried. So I'm, I'm building it.
1: How long has it been since you tried a new hardware wallet? or maybe you need to get one for the first time ever or just need some Christmas presents for friends and family. Either way, head to bitbox.swiss walker and use promo code walker for 5% off the Bitcoin only Bitbox O2 hardware wallet. It's easy as hell to use, Bitcoin only and fully open source. So you can see the firmware on the Bitbox O2, check out the Bitbox app, even x-rays of the hardware and other schematics. Just go to their GitHub and verify for yourself. Hell, Build one for yourself if you feel like it, or just go to bitbox.swiss/walker and use promo code walker for five percent off. It's really up to you. Well, I I love it. I mean, that's the the builder mentality, right? You're like, this is a problem, this is annoying to me and guaranteed to a lot of other people. Why is no one fixing this? Okay, fuck it, let me fix it. Let me build it. Exactly. And, you know, yeah. I'm I'm glad that you are, and I've seen I've seen some pushback. Uh, against the idea, which is natural. Again, especially Bitcoiners are uh, by nature dubious of certain things. And I think specifically, there's a lot of Bitcoiners that are saying, you know, like, I'm, I'm never voting, for example, like, I'm, I'm just not going to vote. Uh, it's a, I'm not going to vote into this flawed system, I'm not going to participate in this, this charade. But at the same time, even if that is your opinion of the current system, and I am no lover of the state uh, by any means, that being said, right now these are the rules of the game. These are the rules that we're playing by. What I don't see a ton of downsides to at least making that system more radically transparent, and also just more efficient. If you think about just the the collective productivity lost for in, during each election, whether that's federal, local, state, even at your you know if it's a, a union or something like that, it's absolutely massive. And at a national scale, it's like, oh, my God, the amount of time that was wasted. I mean, the media loves it, right? Because they sell a bunch of new ad space because everybody's following along to see did they find a new briefcase of votes in Pennsylvania or wherever it might be. But it's just a time suck. It's a money suck. And with each of these elections, it feels like there's just less and less trust in the system because people know that this rightly so that the system is broken. And so I think it's a good thing to at least introduce an option for people to do it more efficiently. I'd love to talk through, if you can walk us through it, you know, kind of in layman's terms, how does it work? Uh, you know, at which points in the process are you using open timestamps and then noster, as I understand it, using the noster for the uh, identification, basically to to validate as your sign-in, your login mechanism. But it's also paired with some elements of the traditional system, right? I believe it's the election access code. Is that mm-hmm. the correct term? Can you walk us through how that works, and also how True vote will interface with the existing system and kind of well, quote safeguards that are in place on the side of uh, of elections as they exist today?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, first, I'll touch on um, what you said about uh, you know people being disincentivized to vote. I, I totally understand that, and true vote is not attempting to solve democracy uh there's an old adage like uh what do two uh wolves and a chicken vote on for what's for dinner um the the yeah you know, the, the minority obviously gets uh gets uh, destroyed in that situation so democracy is flawed but it is what we have now um and so it might as well work properly at least um until some other system <laughs> replaces it but i mean yeah. Uh, I don't see democracy at least in this country going away anytime soon. Uh, so we might as well have accurate voting integrity. I don't. So, so the skepticism around that I get, you know, uh, the system is broken in a lot of ways. You know, I'm not trying to solve everything with true, but I'm just trying to have election integrity. And I think that it, that can be a launching point for people being more civil to each other and accepting results. And, uh, it, I think it I think there's so much upside to having an a accuracy in election where like you said it, the productivity drain won't be there and I think the energy drain won't be there either. I mean just you know you vote here's the results done, let's move on and 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 work. Um as far as how it works so yes uh Noster is how you authenticate in a true vote. Now to as you know, anyone can create a Nostr ID, and you can create one on the True Vote site. I did not put that in the demo video because I cut it for time. But um, there's a uh, register button where you can click, and it will generate a Nostr key for you. Um, now, as far as being able to submit a ballot, you need to be an authorized voter, and so today, everywhere U.S. and and elsewhere, we have voter registration. You have to. Prove that you are a citizen of whatever uh, jurisdiction you're voting in. And usually that's a driver's license in the, in the U S and you have to not be a felon. I think, uh, I think, I don't know if that's federal, but it may be where you can't vote if you're a convicted felon. I don't know. But if you have a valid voting registration, then, um, you can submit a ballot through the traditional system. So you you will be able to submit a ballot through TrueVote. And the way it works is through the election a- access code EAC, you are issued, TrueVote creates a uh, block of those EACs, and then we connect them to your voter registration with the local registrar. So for um, Los Angeles County, for example, the Secretary of State maintains that voting record and everyone who's eligible to vote, that they would have sent a mail-in ballot had the voter opted into that. They just get an EAC instead. And then they take that EAC, they uh, type it in or QR scan it in, into TrueVote, they submit their ballot, and the ballot's submitted. And the EAC is decoupled from, there's no binding of the EAC to the voter's uh, user ID at that point. They just, that allows them to vote to that that allows the ballot to be submitted, but then it, the connection is gone. Yeah. All that's noted is that they did vote, not what their ballot is. And okay, that's, and, and that's, that's the way a good that,
1: thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's the way the voting system works today. Like you can go on, for example, LA or whatever and type in uh, last name and uh, birthday. And you can see someone's party registration and what elections they voted in. That is public information today. So True vote is going to abide by all of those laws that have been fought over for decades. The way those work that that's outside the scope of what I'm building a true vote. I'm building a ballot submission system. That's, that's accurate, right? So the voting registration itself is still handled by whatever jurisdiction there is. And if they want to do strict KYC, that they can do that. If they don't, they don't. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot of discontent into uh, polling places that anyone could just walk in and say, yeah, I live on the street and they hand him a ballot. Um, that is a problem. Uh, with True Vote, I think uh, that will be more kind of, uh, you will have to provide some sort of real voter registration for you to be issued an election access code. Um, so you will not be able to just state that you live somewhere and expect to get a ballot doesn't it needs to be more robust than that it's not scalable that way
1: right and the the election access codes that's still uh that's not going to be something again that true vote is handling that's still handled through the traditional means so again you're not trying to fix the system as it stands today in terms of how you decide who is eligible to vote it's just saying for eligible voters we want to make sure that the ballots are counted that they're done efficiently and that people have a more convenient way of casting that ballot. Is that fair? Yep,
0: exactly. No, that's it. Yeah.
1: Cause I think that's, I, I know one of the comments I saw a couple of times from people is, Oh, you're, you know, somehow contributing to KYCing seeing people. And it's like, well, that's, you know, again, outside of the scope of what this project is aiming yeah. to do. It, you know, you need to have a valid ID of some form uh, to vote most places. Uh, that's, Probably, you know, I'm sure there are pluses and minuses to that. Maybe there are better ways to do it. I'd rather have that be the case than to need to give my thumbprint or an iris scan in order to vote, for example. Uh, So I I think that this is a really nice step in the right direction. And again, you can't solve it all at once, right? You're not going to fix everything that that is broken, but at least you can fix one of the most contentious parts, which is, does my vote matter? And are the results of this election accurate and fair? Cause that's what, you know, that's what people hate. That's what makes them mad.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, the KYC thing is definitely something I'm sensitive to and I don't want people to get, um, um, discouraged by that, te- that line of thinking. Uh, I do think, uh, voter ID has become a political issue for some reason. Um, I don't know why. Some parties are against it. Some parties are for it. Uh, True vote is apolitical. In fact, I purposely designed the logo. It's purple and green. There's no red and blue. There's no affiliation. We are just software company building ballot submission election integrity software. Um, and, I, and I did make it multilingual out of the gate because um, um, it's not just about the U.S. There are other uh, places around the world, and I already have interests outside the world, Where there's emerging democracies that want to be able to vote online, and maybe they'll adopt it even faster than the U.S. will. Um, It just depends on the size of the bureaucracy and the and the Mm -hmm. resistance to it.
1: Now that's uh, we certainly have a large bureaucracy here in the U.S. to contend with. Do you foresee a lot of pushback from, uh, let's say, let's call it the well, from the U.S. bureaucracy if we're talking about an American centric view here? Do you think you'll see a lot of pushback against this that ends up somehow getting politicized? Is true vote going to get cast incorrectly so as partisan one way or another, do you think? or I mean, there's no way to to stop that from happening per se, but hopefully with enough education, some of those uh, risks can be mitigated
0: yeah i don't i mean i think it i think the ethos is very clear it's not it's not about that it's about like whoever you vote for your vote should count and and I really wish both parties would would just start to also have that message you know and 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 realize you know not everyone's gonna agree and and why do we even have a two party system i mean personally i amen it's severely uh limiting um, and so we also have ranked choice voting as part of the True Vote platform. So if your election supports that, you can do ranked cho- choice voting online. So all sorts of combinations can be added to the True Vote platform. Um, um, also propositions, you know, for or against a, you know, uh, some sort of like you know infrastructure bill or something like that. You know, those they'll those they'll show up on ballots quite often. Um, um, yeah, it will be politicized at some point. Uh, again, it's just kind of like, you know, Bitcoin doesn't care what you spend mm-hmm. your money on. It's kind of like Truva doesn't care what the ballot choices are. They're just ballot choices. Right. Yeah. And so that's where I, that's how I'm staying kind of agnostic to the entire, uh, polit- politic is politicalization. <laughs> that's a tough word. Yeah. Political, of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm just staying agnostic to it. You know, it's just about, um, writing good software that works and is auditable and, uh, you know, verifiable. Um, you know, that's it.
1: Well, I think that it's, it's something that hopefully both parties would find at least in the U S find a reason to get behind because, you know, on the democratic side, they're always accusing the Republicans of voter suppression. And the fact that when the vote is for a presidential election is on a weekday and there's no public holiday for the election, well, a lot of people can't take time off work. And
0: mm-hmm. on the
1: other side, the Republicans are saying, well, we we need to make sure that this isn't some dead person who's voting or, you know, someone who's illegally in the country and we need to make sure that the Democrats aren't spinning up all these all these fake votes. And so, to me, this addresses both of those problems in a very elegant way because it says, look, now you can vote whether you're at work, whether you're at home, you know, whether you're in the bathroom, like you're good to go. From yeah. wherever you are, and or if you're traveling, other, yeah, exactly. Which is another yeah. huge thing because most people, if they're traveling, they're not taking the time to do a absentee ballot mail-in. Like it's, yeah. it's just not happening. And then on the other side, you're making sure, okay, if you have a, an election access code, you can vote, and if you don't, you can't. Yeah. So I think that that it has something for both sides to to like there. Probably things for both sides to dislike as well, but c'est la vie. Uh, and you're working with is it global election services is that the uh, like a is it a partnership with them? and can you maybe walk us through that a little bit? What do they do? How are they kind of going to help uh, get the word out there and start utilizing this?
0: Yeah, global election services has been around it's a family business It's been around um over thirty years. They've run thousands of elections uh, nationwide. Uh, mostly association and private elections, but some public sector. And so they're a strategic partner uh, of ours and they are just waiting for me to deliver them, be one of the product where they can use it immediately. So they're ready to use it um, for smaller elections. And the idea is uh, they grow with us. So we grow together and uh, we prove, Hey, you know, here's some case studies of some elections that were successful using true vote. And those elections just get bigger and bigger and bigger. And, um, um, so we'll start with that as a proving ground and uh, build off that. Um, yeah, uh, as far as uh, you mentioned uh, the, you know whether you're Democrat or Republican, um, it shouldn't matter absolutely that's the way I look at it too and it's like if you don't want transparent election integrity, you really have an un- indefensible position like why? and I love the question I, I love asking someone a question so why don't you want true vote? There's really no good answer. So, uh, uh, and I love that I, uh, uh, am building a business where it seems like such a win-win and I don't know why you wouldn't want it. Um, so I think that will, uh, make itself known as we, uh, ga- gain momentum and prove that we can succeed in this and whether it's, uh, you know, a large election outside the U S or, or within the U S um, um, once we have a few elections kind of done and shown, um, I don't, I don't see how, uh, there should be any reason to not use us. So
1: to those critics, cause I'm inclined to agree with you. I, I think that transparency, uh, you know, light is always better than darkness, especially when it comes to something as integral to our current apparatus of government as voting is. And The less trust we have in that, the less trust people have in the government. Now, that is not to say, to clarify, that I believe people should implicitly trust the government, but I would hope that people would see the benefit of at least having the knowledge that their vote counted and that the election was fair, at least within the bounds of ballot counting and and valid ballots being cast. I would hope that people would think that that is at least a good thing, because again, I am not one to be uh, an advocate for the state or for the state to have more power. And in my mind, true vote seems to be a way to remove some of the power from the state, whether that be at a local level, at a at a state-state level, or at a national level. Because again, it's taking out the potential failure points where things can go awry, where people can tweak the system. Some still exist, sure, in the existing you know, voter registration system, but at least it's a step in the right direction. If we want to be fair to these, uh, to the critics, what's your what is your potential failure case for a true vote, or maybe what's the if you were to steel man true vote, what's the 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 biggest thing you could say that is a downside of it, or that uh, may cause it to not be successful, or maybe to have unintended consequences that are, you know wow, didn't think that would happen, but it did. Like, what's What's your take on that? Just to give the critics something to chew on and to look at all sides of this thing.
0: Yeah, um, I do spell out some attack vectors in the white paper. I think the biggest threat to Truva would be a massive DDoS attack uh, at, at an inopportune an time. And that, you know, we're using Microsoft Azure and CloudFront, um, but they're not, you know, impenetrable. Um, there could be a situation where the amount of traffic is so severe that uh, the True Vote systems respond slowly, and people get frustrated because their ballot submissions don't work. Um, so that's a concern. That's one that keeps me up at night, to be honest. Um, and so I'm going to have to lean on Microsoft Azure and and, and other edge providers um, to help with that. And that's probably going to cost some amount of money to um, defend against, it's hard to defend against DDoS, um, but they're, but it's not, it's not impossible. Um, that's one big concern. Um, I guess the other would be some sort of unauthorized usage of election access codes. Obviously that's kind of an obvious one. So those have to be, um, accurate. Um, yeah, But again, and, and, that, that's and if something someone,
1: out of the current system, though, still, right? Like yeah. somebody, if you get a mail-in ballot, you're supposed to what? Have a, have a witness there that watches you sign it. Only yeah. you are supposed to complete it. But you're doing that in the privacy of your own home. Nobody has any idea whether or not that was actually you that filled out that ballot and sent it in and who the hell signed the witness signature. So to me, again, yeah. that's, that's a different problem than true vote is trying to solve, if I'm understanding correctly.
0: Yes. Um, I'm glad you brought that up and I'm an optimist and I am, uh, hopeful that people act in, uh, let's just say a, a moral way. And, um, as far as committing election fraud, um, why, you know, I mean, don't you, ha- I, 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 you know, it's just, you if you want to commit an illegal act and commit election fraud, whether it's having someone else fill out your ballot or, uh, whether it's a mail-in ballot or a true vote ballot, you are committing election fraud and you are violating the terms of the election. And if you are okay with that, and you don't really care about your own integrity, um, that's something you have to reckon with at some point in your life. Um, I just, I would hope that most people would just, um, be a little bit more, um, ethical that way and know that, Hey, this is my vote. It's no one else's, but mine and I will vote. And that's that. Um, I know that's wishful thinking. And there's probably people who will listen to that and just like laugh me off. Um, that's what I'm, that's, that, that's my starting point. Um, yeah. But you know, uh, unfortunately, you know, the utopian world that I sometimes uh, wish we had isn't really reality yet. Um, hopefully uh, someday it will be. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of, uh, dishonesty in the world and, um, bad actors. Um, yeah. So it, again, you know, it becomes a moral issue. A lot of this does like, okay, you want to launch a DDoS attack at true vote. Why? Why?
1: And I think, you know, I share your optimism. Uh, but I, I, of course, uh, I have a lot of doubt in general, because I think we've seen, and, and often it's not, it's not at the individual voter level, but it's at a higher up level. Maybe it's a, a super PAC who decides, you know what, we're going to put out bounties on the dark web for election access codes and say, hey, you know, we'll give you a hundred bucks to send us a message with your election access code that we can use. And we're going to spin up a bunch of you know, Noster key pairs and use your access codes and pretend to be you fair you to be fair you could also do that with paper ballots mail-in ballots Mm -hmm. as they exist today again i'm trying to separate the problems with the current system that are not in scope for what true value is trying to accomplish because i think that's where people get caught up that's where you'll probably and probably have already faced the biggest pushback is confusion between what problem it's trying to solve versus all of the problems that exist that could be solved. It's like, you gotta walk before you can run a little bit. Like at least this is something that adds a shred of integrity to an incredibly archaic and uh, well, lacking in integrity system. So, you know, just trying to think through this because again, uh, to touch on one of your earlier points about the DDoS attack. I think that may be another big criticism that you'll face in terms of, okay, well, if it can be DDoSed, then it's too centralized. And is there any way for TrueVote to embrace, let's say, more of the, the Bitcoin Noster ethos of decentralization? Is there any way to reduce that attack vector by decentralizing? Or is a certain amount of centralization inevitable and necessary when you're dealing with votes? Because then maybe True Vote is even if things are publicly verifiable, maybe True Vote becomes the target of those uh, validity attacks, where people say, "Well, what are these you know these computer nerds doing behind the scenes? They could be just putting ones in a computer, you know, especially for folks who may not have much of a much of a handle on cryptography in general." So, is there any way to break that out more? You know, can you have an instance of? Uh, for local elections, even of, you know, multiple community members running nodes for this sort of thing? Like, is there any way to utilize a relay based model like Noster uses to be able to break down some of those attack vectors? Or is that just not really possible with this kind of system?
0: That's something I've thought about as well. Um, and by the way, if you if you Google blockchain voting, you'll see 15 years worth of heavy, heavy noise and no signal and uh, claims of decentralism and closed source and tokens and blockchains, you'll see all sorts of claims, um, that never would work or never will work. Um, I'm not trying to create a new token or a blockchain or claim to be decentralized. Um, I, I, prior to open timestamps that my original design was going to be kind of on lightning, like an app that would run where you'd have to exchange some sort of, uh, uh, s- some sats to, uh, validate ballots. And I realized that it was a little bit overcomplicated. Um, I think there's something to be said for centralized systems, as far as, uh, code deployment and control. Um, and then, but being open source and having something like open timestamps validate the, the hash of the data, that's where I think is the sweet spot. Um, as far as resisting a DDoS attack, uh, Microsoft Azure and, you know, like AWS is one of the biggest networks in the world and they do have redundancy and uh, geolocations all over the place where, you know, they can handle the traffic and, you um, um, and distribution of the load. I think at some point, maybe we build like a true vote server that can run on a node or like an, as an number app or something like that. And they could be peer to peer probably like a future version. I could see us building out something like that. Um, for now though, it's uh, you know, it's, there's an API uh, we're using Cosmos DB, which is a NoSQL database very much like MongoDB. Um, and it scales very, very well. It can scale across uh, Uh, geo uh, regions of Azure Um, it has partition keys it's super super fast Um, and then the front end a lot of code runs in the front end. it's just a static uh, react web app so there's not like this uh, this bottleneck of client server handshaking all the time it's just very it's very very efficient Um, so yeah I mean the answer is not for v1 or probably v2 but at some point yeah yeah i would probably want to look at that and it's something that will always be I will, I will always be thinking about is um how to make it more decentralized than um beyond just uh um being open source and having uh distributed load across microsoft azure there's there are other ways like you mentioned so um yeah it's in the future at some point i'm sure
1: yeah I, you know i think it's interesting this is really one of those cases where the power of open source really shines through because, as you said, like sometimes you you don't need a blockchain for everything. First of all, I think that's that's very clear. Blockchains are not an efficient way to do most things that you would want to do. Uh, they're very very good for Bitcoin, but for most of the other uh, shitcoin applications, uh, so-called applications of blockchain, it's completely superfluous. You don't need to have a distributed ledger for most things. A centralized database is gonna be faster, it's gonna be cheaper, it's gonna work better. And in this case, that's a potential thing where people say, well, it's centralized, I don't know about that, but here's where the open source comes in because anyone can go ahead and audit that code, can see what exactly is happening behind the scenes. Not anyone, obviously you have to have some capabilities, but there are enough uh, programmers in the world now that I'm sure people on all sides of the political spectrum will uh, have someone that they can bring in that can audit it for them, you know? And so I think that that's a really powerful thing because, yes, it is centralized, but it's centralized because it doesn't make sense to decentralize it at this stage. But the development of it is out in the open, so at least people can have the confidence that, okay, I know know how the sausage is being made, you know? And that's something that we – have no idea about in our current system. Uh, another thing I wanted to, to talk about was just in terms of the the pushback that you may get about what about people that don't have phones? Uh, is it safe to assume that this can be pretty easily run on an iPad uh, or some sort of a kiosk that they could yeah. still? So if you still want to go down to your, you know, your your voting uh, voting location, that local station can run True Vote. You can go there and, you know, sign or create your key on the spot, sign in. And this is not in any way exclusionary towards those who don't have phones.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, It will be, you can have a kiosk mode where the second you submit your ballot, it signs you out of your Nostra key and waits for the next person. Um, So that's just like a toggle on the election configurator or on the kiosk configurator. And then... um, Uh, I've been asked before, so I'll, I'll answer even though you didn't ask, um, what about, uh, voting alongside the traditional systems? And I think there will be a time where people will want to vote the current way and, and true vote. It won't be all or nothing. And so we'll just add the totals up. So here's the true vote voters. Here's the mail-in voters. Here's the in-person voters, add them up and there's your results. Um, just like today, they add up mail-in voting with, uh, in-person voting. So now we have a third one. Now we have a third one, true vote, mobile voting. So, um, yeah. And then eventually, uh, like most hybrid technologies, they go towards the best one, which would be online. Um, and so for people who don't have phones, um, you know, they, they'll have that option to vote the old way or go and find a kiosk.
1: Okay. Now that that's, that's good. And I'm, you know, I'm curious if, uh, obviously old habits die hard. Uh, it, maybe a difficult uphill battle as I'm sure you are full aware being engrossed in this, but to get, uh, people, but also the folks running these elections to make a big change like this. Do you think that at least, is there going to be an interim period where maybe true vote is used not alongside, but on top of, uh, existing election structures as a way to just validate, to say, okay, if you're going into, you know, place your ballot, They've got a little kiosk in there where you can also go in and place your true vote ballot to say, okay, I'm just trying to do a double check and then to compare the tallies at the end and see, okay, is this a way for us to double check the authenticity of the existing system? If the adoption isn't quite there yet to fully switch over, do you foresee that having a chance at happening at all? Or do you think it's going to be either alongside or fully implemented?
0: Yeah, like I said, I think there will be a time where there's uh, both at the same time and then eventually fully implemented. Um, We do have a big national election coming up in about 11 or so months. Um, I think it would be helpful if we did a true vote mock election in time for that, where if you want to vote with true vote, you can. It won't count, obviously, because the, the the states won't certify it yet. But they, but we can have it just as an exercise of um, usage and a, and a test case, so I think I'll build something like that where, if you want to vote with true vote, you can um, just for fun, you know just to, just, yeah. just to do it alongside. yeah.
1: do you think there's a chance of this being implemented for either party in primary elections, at least at a state level? Uh, have you been in any talks with that, or is it getting too close already where they're just they're not trying to rock the boat?
0: Yeah, no, not yet. Not yet. They it needs to be proven out first. Um the primaries are just around the corner. So um Yeah. Um but but there's always elections going on, like you said mm-hmm. earlier. Uh there is o- they're all over the world. They're always going on. So we'll just uh you know, once once we're ready, um the, the yeah, once we're once we're ready, you'll just start adding them.
1: Yeah. And you touched on this earlier, but I think it's worth maybe going into a little deeper. This isn't just something that needs to be used for democratic elections, uh, in terms of political ones. This is something that can be used for across a lot of different sectors. I mean, even for uh, any sort of corporate or union or heck, your you know local school board, PTA mm-hmm. meeting, whatever it might be. Because this is just a you know an app on your phone, it's very accessible. So, do you see more of a bottom up? adoption of this happening where maybe, you know, it starts with a, a, you know, a local union and, and they try it out and that's just, you know, words starts spreading a little bit, or do you think you'll get some, like the political elections will start just rolling in at the same time too?
0: Yeah. Uh, I think it will be bottom up. Uh, it's hard to predict the future Walker, but you know, I yeah. think it starts <laughs> with, uh, with that and you, you listed some good examples, unions, associations, school boards, you know, Little league commissioners, you know, there's all sorts of elections always going on, and there's unfortunately there's probably corruption even at those levels too. Like somebody wants to, um, you know, who has access, like a on effect of elections, right? Those closest to it can control it. So um, true vote, true vote ends that you can't corrupt it. So um, yeah, no, that's that's the strategy for sure is bottom up, and then you know just just grow the election base, the number right. of voters per election. Yeah.
1: What, uh, what are you most, uh, let's say true vote is implemented, starts being implemented at a really wide scale. What are you most looking forward to? What is, you know, what is kind of your, uh, what's keeping you going to say, this is the future that I want to see. And I think that it's possible because of true vote.
0: Yeah. I want, like I said, I want elections to be boring. In 2028, November, I want to wake up. I have an alert on my phone Brett, don't forget to vote. I tap it, I vote, I submit, and then I wait for the results to come in and I see and I know that they're accurate. Like that's my vision of what is possible. Um, yeah. So that's what I'm working towards is that moment.
1: I yeah. like the sound of boring elections. Yeah. Uh, although, you know, it, it is kind of fun sometimes to watch the really terrible takes as votes start rolling in. So I may miss that a little bit, but I look forward to the process being boring because it should be something that isn't this massive amount of uncertainty and doubt and unnecessary fanfare. Yeah. It's something that's part of our existing political structure for now. Yeah. As you said, maybe, maybe something else better comes along. But for now, we're working within the confines of the law as it exists in various jurisdictions, like it or not, participate in it or not. Uh, at least if you do choose to participate, TrueVote does give you a way to know that your vote went somewhere and uh, not just into somebody's back pocket, which I think is yeah. a pretty powerful thing. What about for folks who, because uh, again, this is open source, for folks who want to contribute, who want to you know, kick the tires a little bit or, or write some code what is the best way for them to, to help out with this and be able to contribute to TrueVote?
0: Yeah, um, like any open source project, uh, it, it's it's available. It's on github.com slash TrueVote, and the repos are all there, and you can run it locally. You don't even need to publish it to Azure or AWS. You can run it all on your own device, your own um, computer. And you can submit pull requests just like uh, the Bitcoin community does. And that's how Bitcoin Core got built out. Um, I have an internal uh, JIRA uh, issue tracking system that is not public, um, but I will be publishing some of those as issues on GitHub. So anyone can just take one. And uh, if they want to get started, they could just start working on one. Um, So, yeah, I would absolutely love to see... uh, (laughs) any developer, whether anonymous or or someone we know, start working on GitHub. And it's such a beautiful thing to have uh, pull requests and code reviews and um, an exchange of ideas and a community. So um, yeah, it's gonna, yeah, yeah. It all starts with uh, that, the, the initial commit and then we build off of that. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: And do you have any message for uh, folks out there Maybe they are uh, elected officials. Maybe they're folks who are running local, state, or national elections. By some freak chance, they're listening to this Bitcoin podcast. But uh, for folks that are out there, or maybe they're uh, they're a member of a union uh, who want to implement this. What what's your your message to them? Why should they jump on this now? And you know what? Basically, how's it gonna how's it gonna help them? And why should they do it?
0: I think like a lot of incentives, it comes down to budget and there are, uh, organizations that have a budget to run an election and that budget can be, uh, pretty much, um, reduced by a, a gigantic amount if they just use true vote, right? They're not the, the amount of effort that it takes to run an election all across the world, um, is massive. And when you can just do it all online, um, um, it brings all those costs down. So that's the biggest carrot to show, to say, hey, you want accuracy and decreased cost? Why wouldn't you use TrueVote? Um, so it seems like a no-brainer, really. Um, yeah. And
1: no, that's uh, honestly great answer because I think money is something that uh, everyone can relate to. And especially for those of us who are Bitcoiners, we think about money a lot. Uh, And what it is, and again, the time value of that money. And so the idea of saving money and saving your time and the value of that time by not fucking around with unnecessary elections, uh, or I should say unnecessary election processes uh, is very attractive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, anything else that you think people are missing about true vote? To, is there one last message to the skeptics? Uh, is it to hey take a look at my code? Is it to just you know have fun not voting? Is there anything else out there that you want to want to give one last uh, one last plug for those that may still just be either on the fence or saying, you know what, this is just another way to support uh, statist regimes. <sighs>
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I would just say be patient and be optimistic. Um, These problems won't be solved overnight. Um, As far as the um, people's disenfranchisement with their government, um, that is a large problem. And we all um, are subjects to it. Um, You know, term limits are an issue that I think are super important. Um, Truva doesn't solve that problem right so um um yeah i don't give up i mean i do think i do love the message you know i was taught as a young age you know your vote counts and uh, i still do believe that so i i guess i you know i would say that you know and, and and one of the main reasons people don't vote today is because it is inconvenient they really just don't want to hassle with it so um i'm i'm giving you a lifeboat for that you it's as simple as launching an app on your phone and tapping a few um, a few, just a a few choices and hitting submit. So, uh, the convenience part is over. The inconvenience part is over solved. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think we'd see like a huge, uh, rise in number of voters uh, once this is deployed. Um, and, and again, if you're, if you, uh, are against that, you have to answer to why, why wouldn't you want everyone who was able to vote to vote, you know, Everyone, politicians always say, oh, if you don't like it, vote, change, you know, change this, change that, use your vote, use your vote. Okay. Here's a system where you can makes it makes it much easier to vote. Why wouldn't you want someone to use it?
1: Yeah. So, and I, I think that's a I think a very fair point. And I think for a lot of, I'll just focus specifically on Bitcoiners here because right now Bitcoiners are probably some of the ones who are paying attention to this the most or folks on Noster because they're following anything that's being done in and around this technology. Right. And as we stated before, and is very evident to anybody on Twitter or Noster, Bitcoiners are doubtful of things and, and doubting is good. You know, it's good to be skeptical. It's good to check things out, to verify for yourself, not to trust.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: luckily that is something that's actually possible with this again, because it's open source. And so I think that, you know, fix the money, fix the world, right. Is, is, not just a meme, but I think there's so much truth to that. But we also have to remember that we do still exist within the current paradigm. Now I am all for building parallel systems. And I think that that is a lot of what's happening within the Bitcoin community, within the Noster ecosystem today. Parallel communities are being built. There's a move towards more localization versus globalization. And I think that that is a beautiful thing. That doesn't, however, negate the fact that within the system that sits alongside our new parallel system, within the existing system, I would personally like to see more transparency that is reflective of the ethos of open source software of Bitcoin and Noster. I would like to see as much of that ethos as possible permeate its way into the existing state apparatus. I see that as a good thing, even though I don't support the state itself. I still would like to see if it is going to be around for a little while longer, I'd still like to see it just be a hair more transparent. I'd I'd like that. So, you know, maybe for that, I'll get called a statist cuck, but, uh, who can say, uh, these days, just about anything will get you called a statist cuck.
0: Oh, geez. Yeah. No, I don't think uh, that would be deserved at all. You're just uh, living your life the best you can and um, setting a good example for others. So there's nothing status cuck about that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Not everyone can be a a rebel um, like it it, 24 seven. That's just not. uh, (laughs) Yeah.
1: And and honestly, for Bitcoiners, you know, I want uh, if I am going to vote for a politician, I would like them to be pro Bitcoin. Like that's a That is a starting point. That's a starting point for me. That's an immediate filter out. That's not to say that just by saying I'm pro-Bitcoin, I'm going to vote for you. My vote is harder to win than that. Uh, But it's a starting point to say, I will at least look into you more if you are pro-Bitcoin. And if I do find myself voting for a pro-Bitcoin candidate, I would like to make sure that that vote is actually counted and not thrown in a suitcase somewhere. Like I'd like to make sure it actually my little drop in the bucket actually made it into that bucket and wasn't just sloshed away elsewhere. So,
0: yeah, we'll see. I've seen some politicians recently claim they're pro Bitcoin, but it seems more, a little bit more pandering. Like I'm sure you've noticed that as well. We'll see if uh, who really is pro Bitcoin and who isn't um, once, once if they're elected. Um, um, but I've seen some of that where, you know, I mean, to call someone out, but he deserves it as the mayor of New York, you know, he claimed to be pro Bitcoin, but he, he was just saying that he didn't, he didn't really mean it. You know, and yeah. there's other examples. I, I won't say them, but you know, he's, he, he, that's a good one that we, we, we should be a little bit weary of, of candidates like that, that, um, really are just pandering.
1: Uh, I, I agree. Cause at the end of the day, even if they say they're pro Bitcoin, they are still politicians. They are trying to get your vote and also your donation dollars. Yeah. This is a fact. That being said, I am at least glad that the Overton window is shifting a bit where we now see candidates on both sides of the aisle. If we look at the presidential election, you've got Vivek on one side and now you've got RFK. Well, I guess he's no longer on the left. Now he's in the middle of the aisle um, running as an independent. I think that's ultimately a good thing. I'd like to see a legitimate independent challenger uh, come in to the American political scene. That would be fantastic. Uh, But- at least that conversation is shifting. You see, you know, Malay winning the election in Argentina. Like him or not, uh, believe him or not, when it comes to his Bitcoin support, at least it's changing the conversation, you know? And I think that that conversation doesn't change overnight. It has to happen in stages. It happens one election at a time, uh, you know, one debate at a time. Like, I look forward to a cable TV, not that I watch cable TV, but I'll watch it on YouTube afterwards, uh, debate where we see candidates talking about how broken the money is, talking about you know Austrian economics, talking about Bitcoin as part of that conversation and how people need to have something that can help them uh, in this world of broken money. And again, I, even if they don't get my vote, I'm glad to see they're talking about it because each of those mainstream quote unquote conversations that happens about Bitcoin is just one more little shift of that Overton window. It's just opening up that discourse a little bit more. And that's, that's what I like to see Uh, Mm -hmm. again. Maybe I don't, I don't know who I'm going to vote for, or if I'm going to vote, or if I think that everyone who's a pro Bitcoin politician is essentially full of shit, but I like that they're talking about it. Like that's at least a step in the right direction. So we'll see. It's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting year, like a very interesting year. I don't yeah, know. I, certainly. It, it, I really hope it doesn't end up as Trump versus Biden again. Like that's just, that'll just be sad. Like, I think America can do better than that. Uh, I agree. <sighs> I hope so. Yeah. It's a, uh, but Hey, hopefully we'll at least, uh, maybe even Trump and Biden will talk about Bitcoin. We know that Trump loves his NFT collection. So, uh, at least there's that. I still think that's one of the most absurd things I've seen. You, you saw his NFT collection. Yeah. I did. It, I did. Pro- probably wish you hadn't seen it, but yeah, I uh, can't unsee it. Oh dear Lord. That, yeah, that's just, that's just absurd. I, I, I have trouble understanding how a lot of Bitcoiners seemingly support him, but Hey, Bitcoiners are a very diverse bunch. So you're, you know, Free to do uh, think, whatever
0: you want. <laughs> I think they don't quite understand who he is if they support him. That's my contention. Yeah, yeah. I,
1: something I I say probably far too much uh, is just there is no red, there is no blue, there is the state, and there is you. Mm-hmm. And to me, Trump and Biden are two sides of the same coin—a very, very old, weathered coin. And you know, so they may have uh, advantages over each other in some particular little nitpicky ways, but ultimately I just view them as pretty much more of the same. I'd like to see something a little bit different. I'd like to see uh, change that isn't just a slogan, you know, but one step at a time, I suppose.
0: Well, well, to, to finish that thought, if, if I may, uh, it all, it, a lot of it comes down to the money printer and both Biden and Trump would print money as long as possible. If it's politically advantageous for them to do so. So if you hate Biden with everything you've got, like some people do, or hate Trump with everything you've got, like some people do, you, are, you don't realize they will both print money and they will both devalue your currency and they don't care if you hate them or not. If it's politically advantageous of them to bail out something by printing more money, they will do so. They do not care about causing inflation because inflation is latent, it doesn't happen. There's a delay in inflation. So when they print money, the inflation doesn't happen the next day. It happens months or years later. Um, that's the biggest problem. And there was a lot of money printing under the Trump administration, especially in his last year, and a lot of money printing in the Biden administration. I don't know the exact numbers, but I they were, they were both massive. Um, yeah. So that's the cause of it. That is something I think about a lot. I just wish they would stop printing money. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just, it's just that, that is the cause of almost every problem. Um, printing money, money is what funds war money is what funds violence money is what funds oppression. Um, and when you can print it, it doesn't matter, uh, what your spending is or what your tax collection policies are. They can just make more. So, you know, these, uh, tax the rich and tax billionaires um, that ideology it doesn't work e- even if they taxed every billionaire the ma- the maximum amount that they think they could or want to it wouldn't change a thing they would just print more money if they were short anyway so <sighs> yeah no yeah. i yeah
1: i i agree and it's it's sad to see uh, you know i'm i'm all for railing on biden because he just makes it so easy uh, but if you are going to rail on Biden, you should also rail on Trump. Like, I think yes, rail on Biden and rail on Trump. Trump, I think under his admin, it was at least four trillion, if not five, in M two expansion. And I mean, they are they were both responsible for having Jerome Powell in there, right? Uh, I mean, I like Jerome Powell a little bit more actually. After his uh, close the fucking door uh, little gaffe that he had on stage, I was like that that somehow makes you more likable. Uh, but uh, that's just a smidgen of like, but again, when nothing changes at the base layer and the base layer of everything is money, it's half of every, you know, every exchange. And when that is so broken, it doesn't matter if you've got, you know, uh, an old guy with borderline dementia or an old clownish guy with tiny hands and strange orange hair in an NFT collection. They're both expanding the money supply. They're both pretending like it's the other guy's fault that bad things happen. And nobody is willing to make the hard choices because turning off that money spigot is not going to be a popular choice because it's going to in the very short term result in a lot of pain. And that's why they don't do it. That's why it expands at an exponential rate because they know that's not a good way to get reelected if you cause that much pain. But At a certain point, I hope we have somebody brave enough to bite the bullet to try and fix the system at least a little bit because that's what it's going to take is somebody who says, you know what, maybe I don't get reelected, but hopefully, you know, after I'm gone, people will be able to say, Ah, wow, okay, maybe he was onto something because now things are starting to at least get better. Now we're starting to actually take advantage of all the gains that technology brings us that are just being stolen by our inflated currencies that's one of the saddest things to me is just people have to spend more and more and more and get less and less and less at a time where technology has never been better at delivering productivity and efficiency gains. And that's just so backwards. And I, I hope that we have somebody who comes in that realizes that and says, let's actually let the people keep the fruits of their labor. Um, not by centralizing the means of production. Let's make that point clear, but, uh, just through good old fashioned capitalism.
0: Yeah. Yeah. See. Um, we can get there. Um, it will take, uh, some technology, some leadership, some integrity, um, some pain. Um, but this country is still savable. Um, I believe so. Um, and, and, yeah. A Bitcoin standard, uh, would be, would be awesome at some point. So hopefully we'll see that in our lifetime.
1: And, uh, we, we can at least dream if, if not then, uh, in our children's lifetimes, uh, that would be acceptable as well, uh, yeah. as long as it can happen sometime. But Brett, I, I want to thank you for your time before we close out here. Uh, I'm just curious, are you reading anything right now that you'd, that you'd recommend? I always like to find out is, uh, hmm. There's something good that's on your your bookshelf that you would recommend yeah. for others to check out.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's two books that come to mind. I'm reading right now. One is uh, text, and the other is audible, and they're both very familiar with to bitcoiners. Uh, I'm listening to Mandibles, uh, which uh, Matt O'Dell has plugged endlessly over the last year. Uh, it's a story about a um, a civilization that inflates their money so high, and they it's it's pretty much like a modern version of 1984. Um, it's, 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 it's pretty sad and dystopian. Um, and I'm reading Fiat Ruins Everything by Jimmy Song. Uh, I'm about halfway through that. So, nice. um, I, I do love those, uh, those types of books and the, the most, uh, Im- impactful book for me was The Creature from Jekyll Island, which, um, uh, you learn about how the central bank was formed and I, 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 that really changed my worldview, um, about everything. So I highly recommend that. Um, yeah, I read it every couple of years just as a refresher.
1: Well, and they also in creature from Jekyll Island, they've got the, the nice like summaries too. So if you want to just, you know, flip through to get a little bit of a, a spark yeah. notes version, a little refresher, uh, you're good to go. But those yeah. are some, I, I still have yet to read, uh, the mandibles or Fiat Runes everything there on my list. I've been going back through some older, uh, Austrian texts to try and, uh, set, uh, a better baseline for myself. So I need to, uh, need to jump back up to the present a little bit, but thank you yeah. so much for sharing your scarce time with us today. I'll put all of the links so that you know the GitHub, the website, uh, Twitter and Noster. I'll stick that all in the show notes. Is there anywhere else people should, should check out or is the website, the GitHub, Twitter, Noster accounts, those good to go?
0: Yeah. The the website links to everything, uh, Org, and, uh, I'm pretty active on my Twitter and, uh, and Nostr, And, um, yeah, that's it. And then, yeah, the GitHub. Um, yeah, I, I, I thank you for, for being such an advocate for Noster too. You're really helping move it along. And, um, I'm super excited to see like other Noster, um, a, a adoptions of, of Noster in new nascent ways, like the way, the way I'm using it, you know, I think people first think of Noster as, um, um, like a Twitter clone and it's so much more than that. So, um, yeah. um, I've, you're, you're, you're like at the forefront of all that you're plugged into all the new projects going on. I need to uh, catch up myself and see what else is going on out there and um, check out some of the podcasts and, and keep up. Yeah. Cause I, am super, I'm super excited about Noster too. Um, it's like, uh, I can, I can see why it's mostly Bitcoiners, but um, hopefully there's people that are not Bitcoiners that are in, interested in Noster, um, uh, you know, as well as Bitcoin. But um, yeah, yeah. They well, came in maybe not through Bitcoin.
1: Well, that's a cool thing that I think we're seeing on Noster. And, and because I can't code, uh, at least I can use it and talk about it and try to share it with others because I think it's, it's incredibly important. We need that free and open communication. Like we need free and open and sound money. And the, the difficulty about keeping up with things on Noster is the pace of progress is just so fast. Like, Love just b- just between uh, Will Kassarin and uh, Pablo F7Z, I mean, they, they're each just throwing out new things every day. And it's like you, you take one day away and you're like, okay, I missed like three new apps that dropped uh, just mm. in the last 24 hours, which is an amazing thing to just see that. And now yeah. TrueVote utilizing it too, which I think is a wonderful use case because at the end of the day, Noster is just, it's just messages, right? Mm-hmm. It's just messages. And yeah. that can apply to quite literally everything. It starts with social media because that's what's familiar. And that's what gets people in the door and using it because people want something that's fun, uh, doesn't censor them, hopefully. Uh, and with Noster, they have that. And I think we'll see a lot of people will find Noster. Like with Bitcoin, they find Nostr once the pain is enough where they finally get, maybe they get shadow banned, maybe they get deplatformed and they realize, Oh shit. Okay. I need to look for alternatives. And then they come Googling around and find their way to Noster. Hopefully I actually, I I just did a, a session with, uh, with Will yesterday. Uh, i we'll probably try to publish it tonight if I can. Uh, I'll see, but yeah, he goes through a bunch of stuff just that, He's working on kind of what he sees as the future. And it makes me very hopeful to talk to folks like you, to talk to Will, to talk to the real builders, because that's what gives me some hope for the future. Like It's what makes me think, you know what? Yeah, there's a lot of doom and gloom right now. There's a lot of just shit out there and shitty people. But then you meet folks like yourself and Will and so many of the amazing people I've met through Bitcoin and Oster. And it's like, you know what? The world's not so bad. I have a lot of hope. Like, th- we're gonna we're gonna be okay as long as we've got builders who don't ask for permission, and just keep building. Like that's yeah. what's gonna make the world a better place.
0: Hundred percent agree. Thank you for everything, Walker.
1: Yeah, th- thank you so much, Brett, and thank you to everyone who is watching this a little later than we've talked uh bitcoin is scarce but bitcoin podcasts are abundant so thank you for sharing your scarce time to listen to another fucking bitcoin podcast and thank you brett so much this was awesome and that's a wrap on this bitcoin talk episode of the bitcoin podcast if you are a bitcoin only company interested in sponsoring another fucking bitcoin podcast head to bitcoinpodcast.net or hit me up on social media. On Noster, head to primal.net slash walker. And on Twitter, search for at walkeramerica or at titcoinpodcast. You can also watch the video version of this show on X or on YouTube by going to youtube.com slash at walkeramerica or rumble by searching for at walkeramerica. Bitcoin is scarce. There will only ever be 21 million, but Bitcoin podcasts are abundant So thank you for spending your scarce time to listen to another fucking Bitcoin podcast. Until next time, stay free.